Welcome to Disambiguation. I'm your host, Michael Fawcett. Each week, we interview experts in AI, generative AI, and business automation to help business leaders understand how to use these tools for the biggest business impact. In our show today, we look at embedding AI across your business. I'm joined by Ramprakash Ramamurthy, Director of AI Research at Zoho. Ram, welcome. Thank you, Mike. Uh, really excited to be here. Yeah, I think this is going to be a fun conversation. Um, so, so just to get us started, uh, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do at Zoho? Sure, Mike. So I'm Ram Prakash. Uh, you can call me Ram. I lead the AI research for Zoho. I started off as an intern at Zoho. Um, in fact, uh, I got into Zoho through a social media conversation. Back then, uh, Twitter was just for the tech community. So mm. it's something like what Discord is today, a place where a bunch of nerds hang out. Sometime in 2011, when I was in my final year of college, uh, some discussion happening um, with respect to Android and iOS devices. I mean, that was the time of Nokia, where mm. we had Symbian operating system uh, making wonders. And then that was when uh, Samsung started coming in and then the iPhone started picking up. And uh, it was some conversation related to that. I, I don't even relate. Uh, I don't even think of the real context right now. But uh, then there was a manager from Zoho who was a part of the discussion. I just asked him, hey, can I come over for an internship? Then uh, I came in and then uh, Zoho does a lot of experiments. And uh, that was the time when the whole Hadoop ecosystem was uh, growing up. I mean, things like MapReduce started coming in. Things like uh, we were moving from larger monoliths to smaller distributed computing setups. And then with that, there was some noise about AI, probabilistic computing and all of that. So my job as an intern uh, was to try and see if AI would really help the enterprise. I mean, it was called ML back then. And uh, we did a sentiment analysis model uh, for uh, Zoho's customer support platform. Today it's called Zoho Desk, back then it was called Zoho Support. Mm -hmm. uh, but apparently the project went nowhere because again, there's a lot of challenges in collecting data. We were trying to retrofit AI into a product that has existed for a decade. And mm -hmm. uh, we only had customer uh, sensitive training information all the publicly available data sets were in the consumer domain. So this is where I started. I, I I joined the company saying I want to become an Android or an iOS developer. Uh, my boss said, okay, let's just try this experiment and move on. But I haven't moved on to Android or iOS yet. I'm still in the AI domain. So first experiment was trying to see if AI would help the enterprise. And then slowly we started looking at all the other things. In fact, we were trying to do some statistical analysis. Like, for example, there is anomaly. Anomaly used to be powered by mean and median-based thresholds. Like, mm. you uh, take the top 90, bottom 90, and call the te uh, top 10. I mean, top 10 and bottom 10, and call the top 10 and bottom 10 as anomaly. But with AI, we started looking at past data and then trying to predict patterns, trying to predict if there is a seasonality, trying to predict if there is a trend component, and so on. So, you get the gist, right? Slowly, we started, instead of, instead of looking at totally new features like sentiment analysis, we started mm -hmm. replacing existing tools like anomaly, forecasting, which were done using the statistical way. Instead of the statistical way, we started looking at the past data and trying to uh, project patterns out of it. So this is where I started an intern mm -hmm. uh, who wanted to fiddle with mobile operating systems, then uh, joined the AI bandwagon, uh, got very excited. Uh, and slowly, sometime around 2015, uh, AI had a lot of tailwinds as well. People like Andrew NG, Andres Karpati, uh, from a technical angle, they were evangelizing the tech. And uh, all of a sudden, uh, there was renewed interest and uh, we started building a team around me. 
so today I lead the AI research for Zoho. I set up the central AI strategy for the company. Of course, AI has become very big now. There are a lot of AI teams within the company. But uh, I am from the group called Zoho Labs, again, where we do a lot of such experiments. Mm. Few of other experiments that we have been doing are in databases, uh, are in hardware acceleration using FPGAs and GPUs to try and accelerate specific workloads, mm. not just in AI, but also in databases in other Let's say we have regular expression matching mm. in our security mm. engine. So can we use GPUs to fasten these regexes and so on? So so a lot of research, I, I wouldn't call it research, but a lot of experiments that go on uh, mm. that solves the problem across the product suite of the company. So I'm a sure. part of the Zoho Labs research group right now, and I lead the AI research. That's all about me, Mike. Sure. No, that's great. Thanks. And, and you know, I, I haven't known the, the company Zoho for, for many, many years, actually. I, I That's not an unusual story for, for someone to come in uh, as an intern and then, you know, years over years get into uh, something that they're really passionate about. So I, I, it's, a, it's a great story and I, I appreciate you sharing. Um, you know, just to set some context for us. So, you know, we talk a lot about artificial intelligence. We talk a lot about generative AI. But from your perspective, could you give us a little bit more of, you know, the background in AI and how we've kind of gotten to where we are today? And also, particularly, you know, since the last year, all we can talk about is generative AI, particularly kind of the impact of generative AI on how you think about using AI in the in business. Well, Mike, uh, I would I would divide this answer into three parts, the past, present, and the future. So looking at the past, uh, AI as a technology has always over-promised and under-delivered. It, it's, it's always on the hype cycle, and then uh, it, it, it fails to live its promises, so uh, the investments go down. And, and this is well mentioned as AI summers and AI winters. Right from the 1950s, we have had AI summers, and then uh, decades of AI winters, and then it picks up steam again, and then it loses it. But today, uh, coming to the present, thanks to uh, the way we have commercialized our data, right? So we don't pay for our search engines. We don't pay for our social networks. Instead, we give back a lot of personal data and then let these companies target ads on us. And it's very, very successful, wildly successful business model, right? Okay. So now with this, AI summer has also set in two reasons beyond the uh, commercialization of data. One is the availability of cheaper sensors to collect data, right? So today, uh, just any average person has his heart rate measured every minute, has the number of steps that he has walked counted, and two, thanks to the infinite computing power of the cloud, all of these data are stored somewhere. And then the next obvious part is to look at it and identify patterns and predict things and give insights on the raw data that has been collected. So three things. One is a uh, monetizing your data. Two is... Uh, cheaper sensors to collect data, and three is the infinite computing power of the cloud. Now, all these three put together, I think the time is right for AI to become a mainstream technology. I don't think AI will go on to have another AI winter again. And uh, but but even even now, the expectations set on AI are very high. Uh, probably the words associated with the technology itself. In fact, the name artificial intelligence itself is wrong. It's not artificial. It's not intelligence. It's it's just a bunch of pattern matching that is inspired on the human brain. And not just the name itself, every term that is associated with AI. Say, for example, uh, we have been talking about hallucination in the larger language models that we see today. I mean, the I see that the word is intentionally designed to believe that the model really understands the human world and then starts hallucinating. 
right even though even though open ai gave a very robotic name like chat gpt i mean they could have named it alexa they could have named it siri they didn't want anthropomorphizing it and they gave a very robotic sounding name chat gpt but then we added the word hallucination to it and said chat gpt is hallucinating and that gives an illusion that the machine is actually able to think on its own uh, actually there is a bit of emergent capability but again that emergent capability is really not intelligence it is it is just a bunch of uh, pattern matching so this is the present the world is going uh, head over heels over generative ai and everybody is trying to see i mean any podcast you see any youtube channel you see somebody is always talking about how generative ai is going to make inroads yes it's a very big pivotal technology but the real goal of ai over the years has always been artificial general intelligence are we in line to future to look at artificial general intelligence maybe not with larger language models because all of these models are very very correlation first and not causation right. first mathematics intrinsically is very correlation first if you think about it force is equal to mass multiplied by acceleration is legal acceleration is equal to force divided by mass is still also legal the notion of equal to does not say who is causating what but in real life that that's not how it happens i mean symptoms right. don't cause diseases rooster crowing does not cause the sun to rise we just simply assume that whatever happens first causes whatever is happening later mm. this barrier has to be broken to reach artificial general intelligence or this could be an important factor that could push the larger language models that we have today to understand causation and then do real intelligence so we still have a long way to go ahead in terms of reaching agi so just quickly summarizing whatever i said the past we have always seen cycles of over promising and under deliver the present is the right time because of the business model mm-hmm. because of the cheaper data collection because of cheaper data processing and all that so all of that has come together so i see ai becoming a mainstream technology from now on and the future we are if we are looking at artificial general intelligence we are still a long time away but ai can really sure. help in a multitude of tasks we have moved to domain based understanding with larger language models and all of that but still this might not be the path to artificial general intelligence is my take right i mean it's interesting and i i haven't really thought about the <clears throat> the convergence that is you know supporting the ability now to to actually use this as a tool in business the idea that you know now we have infinite compute power because of the cloud we have uh, massive data sets that had just continue to grow quickly we have sensors everywhere i mean you know we all walk around with a apple watch or something on our our wrist and collect all kinds of data about ourselves i mean that that's that's really interesting and i think um the other the other thing that i i i hear from what you're saying and i and i i like this approach too i've had this conversation a few times that you have to think of this in the context of a business tool it's not it's not sentient yeah anyway and 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 there are a bunch of branches around ai that are you know moving in different directions but today we have a fairly new developed technology that's rapidly changing that has the capability to impact business uh in a variety of ways is that i mean does that make sense absolutely mike absolutely so so uh, like like any technology uh that is tried and tested in the consumer domain first it then 
the enterprise has the late mover advantage yeah. so think about mobile apps i mean my my favorite domain think about mobile apps i mean we started seeing a lot of consumer mobile apps i mean we had the instagrams of the world that went mobile first but even just about 2017 or 2018 we didn't have a lot of enterprise mobile apps but yeah. today a lot of enterprise work gets done on mobile in fact most enterprise work gets done on mobile yeah. every every crm that you see every help desk that you see has a fancy mm-hmm. mobile app which has the complete functionality of a web app so yep. i think uh, enterprise and businesses b2b world will really catch up they are catching up there are a lot of ai features even within the zoho suite of apps uh, and and i'm sure that late mover advantage will really help make steadier inroads into any new technology mm. yeah i mean it, it's it's like and and i argued this i think uh, you know with with several people through the years because for a while we kind of got lost in this idea of mobile first and that was not ever really the answer the answer is i want to be able to work with and from anywhere like it doesn't yeah. it doesn't i don't even think about it if i'm on the mobile device i'm on the ipad i'm on the macbook i just want them to all be the the same i want them to have the same experience right and and i i need that capability to give me the capability to do everything and 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 then i remember like clearly we we had all these great mobile apps that enterprise companies uh brought out that literally didn't do anything they they were just like windows they they were yeah. a window into some data but it didn't let you actually do things and now you can do anything from any device um anywhere and so the evolution of ai you think is similar to that that it gets embedded across um the business and we eventually get to the point where we're just simply using that as a part of the function that we're performing in the application i i, I like that a lot i think is that is that is that how you've approached um the way that the the applications in zoho are starting to incorporate ai yeah mike that that that's definitely how we started uh, yeah. in fact like I, i told about myself in the beginning uh, initially we gave a shot at sentiment analysis uh, but all the data that we could collect for sentiment analysis were uh, from e-commerce customer reviews or from imdb's movie review data sets and mm-hmm. and there was not much of data sets that were available for uh, you know for enterprise emails enterprise customer support emails i mean your customer support emails even though you're writing an angry email you still start with dear so and so and then you have this big disclaimer uh, saying do not print this email unless necessary <laughs> yeah. i mean today you have so many ways there are advanced techniques to work around such data limitations but i'm talking about 2011 where uh, we were using apache mahout we were mm-hmm. trying to uh, you know and then uh, uh, we really cannot use our customer data to train these models so uh, where this has uh brought us is uh try and see that little places where ai can really make an impact in fact sometime around 2015 uh we launched our first anomaly detection ai powered anomaly detection uh in site 247 which is our network monitoring uh suite in the zoho corp suite right. of products and uh interestingly we saw our usage growing up when we started adding explanations because consumer ai was totally different you are making a prediction the prediction can be of low quality it 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 doesn't really matter but you make predictions at scale but in the enterprise workflow when you make a prediction that is triggering a workflow right that is triggering a chain of actions that goes into the knowledge base so let's say something is being marked as an anomaly and i am not taking the action that i am supposed to take i have to explain my boss why i did that 
So right. we started adding explanations wherever possible. Uh, and that really won the trust of the users. And, and, and generally, the way they talk about AI, it's always about self-driving cars, cancer cures, and whatnot. But you wouldn't believe for the first two years, the biggest performing AI API that we launched was just an icon recommender for our low-code platform, Zoho Creator. So you just create a form. Uh, you recommend icons. Just by looking at the form, we will be able to do a word to vec and uh, mm-hmm. present icons for the users to select. So, you know, mm-hmm. trivial things. So the way AI helps the enterprise is at any given point in time, given all your past data, given all your current circumstances, what is the next best action to do? Mm-hmm. Say, for instance, a lead comes into your CRM system. Okay, qualify the lead and uh, look at similar leads that you have seen in the past. Then assign it to the right agent. Give him a chance of a probability of conversion. Give him the possible next steps that he can do. So at any given point in your enterprise workflow, see where and how AI can recommend the next best step. That would be the one-liner mm. for all of Zoho's enterprise AI right now. Mm. So, so that I mean, that's a great place to start. Then, so your the idea is. Uh, it it can ingest a lot of data and look at things that you really wouldn't be able to to do either time-wise or capability-wise and give you that uh, highest probability thing to do. Like I, I love the application of this in sales. You know, for, for example, like if I'm a sales guy and you give me five leads and in the old days, I would just try to work all five of them because I have five leads and I need to work them, right? But in today's world, with the AI built in, it goes spend 80% of your time on these two leads because they have the highest probability. This one is is uh, okay, and it might close long term, and these two are useless. Don't spend any time looking at them because they're never going to close. I mean, it's probably not that explicit, but, you know, anyway. Yeah, that, I mean, that, that makes a lot more sense to me. And, and I know, like, last year... Uh, almost all the conversation around, especially generative AI, was really about productivity gain. And it seems to me that, and that, and that's important, and I, I mean, I, I definitely got productivity gains myself out of using different tools, but it seems to me that when we start to think about it in the context of, of business applications, that it's not just a productivity uh, gain anymore. It really is a systematic approach to how we make all of these small actions more efficient or better or more accurate. Is that, I mean, is that, you think that makes sense in the context of what you guys are doing? Yeah, absolutely, Mike. I mean, we see enterprise software getting more and more consolidated. Uh, I mean, if you look at the average number of software tools that an enterprise is buying, they seem to be coming down because, again, even though there are deeper, tighter integrations, they can only do so much. And everything is expected to be natively integrated. And especially with something like AI coming in, uh, mm-hmm. AI needs to look at your data as a, your your data as a whole and not just as silos, right? So when your organizational data, everything in a customer's life cycle, the moment the customer came in as a lead, then what all campaigns did you run? Uh, then when did you become a customer? Then what are the escalations that happened after mm-hmm. the customer became a customer? So the entire customer's life cycle journey is captured. On the other hand, the employee journey as well. I mean, today, especially in the post-pandemic world, Customer retention is as important as employee retention as well. Employee retention is as important as customer retention as well. They're not two different things. These will contribute to the core competencies of your business. Same way, you look at an employee. uh, He came in, he or she came in as a resume. Then um, you conducted some interviews. Then you assigned them to a particular role. 
and then the person has worked on so and so projects if he is a sales person this is a crm these are the leads that he worked with if he is a support person uh, these are the uh, accounts that he handles these are the uh, tickets that he has solved this is his area of expertise in all of that so the whole employee life cycle is also captured and when your ai gets visibility especially after the advent of larger language models so with these larger models we are moving from a domain or a use case specific ai model uh, we are moving from a use case specific ai model to a domain specific ai model right so it's no longer about uh, traditionally you will have a sentiment analysis model for chat support a sentiment analysis model for email support a sentiment analysis model for let's say social media support but today it's going to be a larger model that does every insight on customer support domain it knows how to assign tickets to agents it knows how to understand the agent's expertise it knows what is a possible workload for a particular agent so that the sla is not violated right so one large model that does the job of a hundred smaller models Yeah. right so that is where things like foundational models are coming in and and we at zoho uh, we are evolving into a platform uh, zoho one is so connected that you have all of these apps in a single bundle and this gives seamless access to ai to mm. give you the next best action at any given point of time yeah i mean in the end it, it sort of um always comes back to a discussion about the data and then the fact that you as a business need to have access to all of the data uh, around your whole business versus the the application silos that we have tended to create like i i i know i was talking to a marketer once a couple of years ago and and we were talking about martech and what they were using and and they and and they came up with some incredible number like they were using over 30 applications across the market just the marketing team and and almost none of them were integrated so i mean that data problem has to be um one of the most exciting things for a business perspective to be able to have this consolidation and the ability to act on that across the business from one or you know a few models base models foundational models uh that you can then use in all those applications i mean that to me that makes that makes a lot of sense yeah, yeah. so i i'm curious though now I, i mean we hear a lot of talk about how expensive and how resource intensive it is to build foundational models you know train them uh run them um and and you know i know zoho has a Zoho serves a much broader market. You know, you've started really with the small and medium business, but you certainly have bigger clients now too. And and so, how does that impact the the small and the mid-sized business that don't really have the resources to train their own models? I mean, they they, they it would just be too resource intensive. I think. Yeah. Yeah, Mike. This is this is becoming a crazy problem right now. In fact, if you were to conduct a survey to the audience on how many of them are using open ai chat gpt and then mm. almost everybody would raise their hands how many of them use their enterprise chat gpt accounts and probably 2% 3% mm. so uh the challenge has been uh, uh the the entry barrier to these larger models is really steep uh in terms of cost in terms of privacy i mean we spoke a lot about monetizing our heart rate sensor monetizing my step count etc but business mm-hmm. secrets can't be monetized uh you don't want adjunct surveillance you don't want somebody 
looking at your data and uh, giving insights to your competitor uh, <laughs> right so and and then they are selling the software to you at a discount here your information is your information and it has only uh, it, it should only be used for the benefit of you uh, so these challenges combined with the steep cost associated with integrating these larger language models or building their own larger language models is a very big challenge so mm-hmm. we at zoho we have been very conscious out of it uh, about it like you said we are we are uh, doing a lot of upmarket movement but still uh, uh, we have a lot of small and medium business customers and 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 they expect high quality predictions with just about 40 rows of data so yeah. our strategy has always been continue investing in narrow models models that can do one thing at a time and these models are explainable they are highly accurate and mm. and 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 they they can be trusted really well i mean they are not a black box you can see why it is making a wrong prediction right and then add the larger language models only when it is necessary so that you don't pass on the gpu tax to these customers these gpus are expensive they're not coming in for free <laughs> and <laughs> narrower models are very simple to train they don't need a gpu for inference they don't need a gpu for training in fact uh in fact our larger models we are also trying to run the inference on cpus so that mm. you know we are keeping down the gpu cost low the training is done on gpus but the inference happens on uh gpu so say for example uh, mm. something like uh, we have zoho meeting which is a meeting platform and uh, so we are conversing and then uh, we have an automatic speech recognition engine that looks at the audio and then converts it into a transcript and then we have a larger language model that looks at insights from the transcript that we have generated and maybe makes a list of to dos right so uh, mike is supposed to do this on so and so date ram is supposed to do this on so and so date this is the summary of that so now we do this offline uh, i mean you wouldn't need the minutes of the meeting uh, right the next second the meeting is over it can wait for 10 minutes 10 minutes is a reasonable time uh, for the minutes of the meeting still faster than uh, how humans can do it so doing the right balance will really help keep these costs low and we're not doing away with the narrow models these narrow models will work in tandem with the larger language models thereby we don't pass on the gpu tax to customers especially in cases when they don't need it mm. so so it's it's about applying the right tool to each of those problems versus and I've taken this broad idea that oh i'm going to do everything just based on this large language model Yeah. Absolutely. That that makes sense and then you can really make it much more cost effective across. Um it it also seems to me that that's a much more systematic way to think about it too, right? So I'm doing each of these individual tasks. Some things can be done in a small uh way and then others need to be abstract across this whole um large language model generative system. Uh, yeah. So that one of the big topics that and and I've I've even done a whole show over the on this at at one point last fall is you know data privacy and we kind of hinted a little bit at it already but but I, how does how does zoho approach data privacy and 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 not just you know not just for the business but at the individual level at the company level and then also an ecosystem level right because i mean most companies don't operate in a vacuum they're connected to partners and customers Uh, how, how does zoho think of that in the context of you know making the um, the necessary data available but protecting it at the same time absolutely mike so zoho is a very very privacy first company uh, in fact uh, we don't even run our tools on on public clouds all of it is done on our own infrastructure two things here one is the privacy angle uh, and the second thing is about building the deep technical know how in the long term uh, 
so I think I'm drifting away from the topic. Let me come back. So we have never had ads even in our free tier of products. Uh, right from the start in 1996, that has been our philosophy. Now with things like AI where, uh, you know, the the privacy uh, issues become more and more challenging as these technologies develop. We have multiple privacy filters at each level in our AI system. Uh, first, we never get access to any of our customers' data. And uh, all the data that we use to bootstrap the model are from publicly available open source data sets or data sets that we have curated in-house by using generative techniques. For example, uh, we we have this receipt digitization engine in Zoho Expense, where as and when you expense your receipts, all of that are, uh, they are, the values are extracted and OCR is done, the values are extracted and your expense is automatically filed. And then at the person who's approving the expense, he gets a quick summary and then uh, he gets to uh, quickly approve which all expenses have to go through, which all expenses he has doubts on, and then he reaches out to an employee. So even in this case, we had to generate a lot of synthetic receipts, mm. right? So uh, generating a lot of these data helps us uh, keep our customers' privacy intact. And now looking at the application of this technology, uh, let's say the first thing could be an individual level of privacy. Now, I am a customer support agent. I use Zoho Desk, and uh, I have been working on a variety of cases. All of a sudden, uh, let's say there is a particular customer's case uh, whose uh, whose problem is similar to my expertise. Uh, let's say we are a mobile phone servicing company, and I'm the one only one who is an expert in the camera module. And then uh, there comes in a customer support request for a camera, and that ticket is assigned to me. Now you can have a lot of sensitive information that is associated with the customer, that is associated with the customer's life cycle with your company, mm. and you still need to know all of that information, but all that sensitive information needs to be blacked out. The same thing with you, right? You are the support agent who is an expert in camera and you cannot let your performance metrics be seen to the team. But again, whenever a camera support ticket comes in, it has to be assigned on you. So individual customer level, individual support agent level, we have AI models that recommends the next best step at any given point of time. This is at an individual level. Then coming to the organizational level, Right. So now we have, uh, let's say we have a module in CRM, uh, which which uh, segments your customers and, and decides what kind of mailers should you send them, uh, how to nurture these bunch of leads, these bunch of leads, these are small and medium business customers, these are enterprise customers, and so on. So, so there is a very complex uh, AI logic to it. Uh, let's say I'm a... Uh, I'm a fintech company and, and all of a sudden Zoho CRM onboards another fintech company who is my direct competitor. And I cannot use the data that I have collected to segment my customers to segment my competitors' data. Right? So we have organizational level privacy where an organization's data is only used to build AI models for that particular organization. And in no point in time, any human has ever access to that data yeah. or would be able to tweak whatever is going on. So the model is bootstrapped and deployed at the organization that is using the uh, model, using uh, the data of which the model has been trained. And then the model keeps getting better by feedback from the end user. So this is at an right. organizational level. And finally, at a global level, things like uh, trying to find out if you illegally entered the system or showing you captures, so uh, identifying a bad behavior and uh, trying to see that hey, this is a bot and probably have a captcha. Or something mm. like ham spam, whatever is ham to you is ham to me, whatever is spam to you is spam to me. Or things like grammar error correction and detection, right? Again, without any PII being exposed, there is a global model 
that serves all the customers. So three different levels of privacy, individual users, uh, individual organizations, and finally global models that are, uh, that are, that apply to everybody. And, and even then the data is not used to spruce up these models at any given point in time. So these privacy boundaries helps us make it very clear to our customers that their data is their data and it's only used for their benefit. Yeah, uh, that, that, that makes sense. Um, so so we're, we're starting to get a little bit um, low on time, but there was one thing I really wanted to to make sure that we talked about just a little bit, just to make it more, um, to ground it a bit better for, for the audience. And that is, can you give me some concrete examples of some of your customers? Like how are they using some of the new AI-enabled features today? What and, and what benefit are they getting out of it? Well, Mike, uh, I think uh, we are looking at broadly two objectives. One is process optimization and two is maximizing the revenue. I mean, these could be goals for any company, right? Yeah. And the the way we have added AI into our tools, I mean, we don't showcase AI as a standalone uh, capability or, uh, yep. you know, it's, it's deeply tightly integrated into the product. Like I said, one of the biggest early hits was identifying icons for uh, the forms that you have created. So very little touch points. These need not be AI. Uh, I mean, again, we have learned to uh, anthropomorphize AI and AI always is the big things. No, the little things, the the fact that, hey, uh, it, it's three o'clock today. Uh, usually by this time you could have closed uh, 10 tickets, but today you're at seven tickets. So maybe you might not be able to meet your daily target, right? That gentle nudge uh, mm-hmm. that helps the productivity of the employee or uh, even, even in terms of customers, employee retention and customer retention we spoke about. Uh, again, uh, when you're trying to retain a customer, especially in SaaS business, retaining customers has always been a challenge and 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 uh, it, it becomes incredibly uh, expensive to acquire customers, but retaining them is really cheap. So what are the nudges can you do to retain your customers? So we have seen a lot of uh, usage graphs across my 11, 12 years of doing AI for Zoho. Uh, in fact, initially, there was a lot of resistance. I mean, uh, it was just, uh, people thought it's just a passing fad. Uh, and then uh, sometime around uh, uh, the early 2017-18, when we started adding explanations, we started seeing that our AI usage went up by about 50% month on month. Yeah. Right? And yeah. and uh, yeah. that won the trust of uh, our users. And then we hit stagnation at some point, 2018-19, we were trying to do a lot of AI-powered features, but then there was not much of discussions in our forums. I mean, people were using it, but any any feature uses that we track, we see that there's a lot of discussion on the forums. Uh, people are either appreciating it or, or saying it does not work, but with AI, we were not able to see both. And then the whole pandemic came in. Uh, that was where, I mean, even in 1819, we had cases where AI was a requirement for buying the tool. But were people using it? No. And then the pandemic, uh, there was a marked improvement because, uh, again, uh, the whole world started remote working. Uh, what was only accessible on your office computer in the office network became accessible from anywhere on Earth overnight. And then uh, we saw a lot of AI adoption there as well, because uh, especially from the security angle, uh, people were trying to access data from everywhere. Uh, we saw AI usage grow up. And then uh, once the whole DALI chat GPT wave caught up, there is some tremendous increase in usage <laughs> in the recent times. I mean, I could I could relate this to how uh, you know Steve Jobs uh, 
issued an ad saying how do i be a when i can launch their pc i mean the idea is when the incumbent does something big that effect is going to ripple across the industry and we see that once once uh, these generative ai models gained a lot of prominence we see a lot of usage and people understand how ai works and and today we see our usage growing like close to 30 40% month on month and a lot of our customers are using almost 70 to 80% of our customers have actively uh, used ai in their decision making which is a very positive sign i mean from a very hype to theoretical technology to to something that is you know changing or making smaller impact little little impact that add up to something uh really big it, it's really wonderful to watch yeah i mean that that's <clears throat> that does sound like what i said really that idea that we we're now starting to see this systematic approach to the use of it across all the functions versus i can you know write emails faster or i can you know segment easier better more effect whatever right um wow that's great so so that's that's really all the time we have but um ram first th- thank you for joining a great conversation really interesting and frankly i could keep going but you know eventually we'd probably lose the audience um so, but before you go the one one thing that i love to ask at the end and you know really to help the um help the audience uh can you recommend somebody a thought leader an author somebody that has a big influence on on your career and you think would help um you know would help the audience sure mike this was this was a lot of fun uh yeah like 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 i said i mean we have to stop it somewhere um yeah personally uh over the last 6 to 8 months i have been reading a lot of how um uh, uh how technology from japan south korea especially southeast asia i mean uh, i respect a lot of people in tech i i worship steve jobs uh, i love bill gates uh, i mean uh, they had the vision to do a lot of things but uh, all of a sudden i i i thought that oh i am using a lot of hyundai i am using a lot of lg i am using a lot of samsung but do i know anything about people in these companies mm-hmm. uh looking at how i mean i read this book how asia works uh that was an interesting start mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. currently i am reading chung ju young's uh, uh biography he is the mm-hmm. founder of the hyundai mm-hmm. conglomerate i mean mm-hmm. we all uh, use a lot of Hyundai product right i mean and and this is yeah. work this is work or uh, take uh, things about uh, honda uh, mm-hmm. they just work uh, but do we know the people behind these companies uh, i started to explore uh, how they started uh, building the hyundai conglomerate uh, from south korea mm-hmm. and and it's a really really interesting read it it gives mm-hmm. a very unique uh, perspective i mean we read a lot of silicon valley legends we yeah. keep hearing about them uh, and then there is the other side of the world where uh things happen very silently but just seem to work yeah so yeah, that's, oh. <laughs> that's great and that's that's great uh, it's a great idea too because I, i mean you're right we have really good pr in silicon valley but perhaps there are thought leaders scattered about uh in some of these other areas where there is a lot of innovation and we haven't really spent much time i i have to check that out actually that's that's a great recommendation well ram so that that is all the time we have i really appreciate you joining me today thank you uh, really enjoyed the conversation absolutely mike appreciate the opportunity really enjoyed the conversation great, thank thanks. you thank you for And that's the show for this week. Thank you all for joining. Remember to hit that subscribe button. And for more on AI and other software research reports and posts, check out the arianresearch.com slash blog and slash research reports. And don't forget to join us next week.
I'm Michael Fawcett, and this is the Disambiguation Podcast.